listening to a resource from Jambrew Anglican Church. This is Colossians 1, verses 15 through to the end of the chapter. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he's before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him in him all things sorry, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifted from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister." Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Join me as I pray, as we look at this part of God's word together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us your word and speaking to us in the Bible. Open our hearts to hear you speak. Help me, be, me to be able to speak it well and carefully. And we pray that we'll be able to respond rightly. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well... I hope you can see and follow along, if not on the screen, there's an outline in your outline that you received on the way in, and some of you might even have a pen. Uh, Some of you might have several pens, and uh, if you've got a, that might come in handy, because I'm actually going to get you to use those pens in a little bit. I mean, you can use them however you like from the beginning, uh, but I'm going to ask you to use them. Uh, So if you've got pens, that's a terrific thing. How good are you at making friends? How easy is it, do you find, to make friends? Some things uh, get easier as you get older. Some things get harder as you get older. And probably making friends is one of those things. When you're a kid, you're a five-year-old, anybody you meet in the playground is your best friend. Immediately, you just go up and say, hey, do you want to be friends? And they go, yeah, sure, cool, friends, we've got best friends. And uh, it's like that for a few years, isn't it? You know, do you want to come over and play Fortnite at my place? 
the non-violent edition, if, if there is one, I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, cool, we're friends. Yeah, got, got great friends. Uh, perhaps as you get a bit older, it's a bit trickier. Oh, it's been great chatting with you. Um, uh, I'd love to chat some more about this stuff. Do you want to grab a coffee next week? Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, cool. Maybe, maybe I've made a new friend. It gets a little bit harder, doesn't it, as you get older? Now that I'm over 30, I, you know, I'm finding it harder uh, to make new friends. friends are, friendships are complex, aren't they? And they can be difficult. And we're not sure how to do it all the time. We know that some things are not good for making friends at any age. You can't fast-track friendships. You've got to have time to let friendships grow. You can't say to somebody, tell you what, I think I like you, I think you're a good... If I pay you 50 bucks a month, would you be my best friend? That's never going to work, is it? And if someone does say, sure, I'll do that, you know that they're not the friend uh, for you. You just can't fast-track friendships. There's something about relationships that have to develop. When it comes to friendship with God, it's complex. They can't be fast-tracked. And it takes time to develop. And in Colossians 1, we hear and see how Jesus deals with the difficulties and complexities of friendship with God because of who he is. Because of who he is. All right, you can follow along uh, with us. First of all, we see who Jesus is, that he's God's one ruler overall. Who is Jesus? Now, it seems strange in church that we always ask, the time, ask all the time, who is Jesus? Who we, we think we'd know by now who Jesus is. Uh, but it's a question that's always worth asking and exploring at any time. And we need to hear the answer many, many times. If you know the Bible, it begins with the words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's the truth on which all of reality is built that God created. All physical reality is based on the fact that God created. And it's this announcement that God created in the beginning means that the resulting universe that is created resonates with his voice and recognises his voice created by God. But when we come to Jesus, we're introduced to a new message a different message, it resonates in harmony with this same voice, this same word. You see it in verse 16. For by him, by Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible, just like in Genesis 1, and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. We see this new message resonating with Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created, and we see that it's actually, and hear that it's actually Jesus is the one who's created. Not just the physical world, but the invisible world that we don't see. And we're a bit like that too. 
God has created us. Jesus has created us. We've been created by him and for him. Our bodies in all that we do, but also the things that we don't see, the things that we think, our desires, what's in our hearts, the things that we, the plans that we make are all owned by Jesus and are for him. We'll come back to that in a little bit. It's not merely the physical world, but the spiritual realities of powers and rulers and authorities. You were created by Jesus and for Jesus. Everything belongs to him. Particularly, we're told in verse 15, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That is, Jesus is not just in the image of God, like we know that Adam and Eve were in Genesis 1-2, but Jesus is the image of God. The invisible God can be seen exactly in Jesus. It's not so much referring to his visual appearance. You can't see God, but if you look at Jesus, you can see God, and that's what God looks like. It, there's some truth to that, but rather it's pointing to the fact that God can be apprehended, grasped, by understanding Jesus, by listening to Jesus and knowing who he is and what he has done. Because he's the firstborn over all creation. And that makes sense, doesn't it? That's whatever that means. What does it mean to be the firstborn over all creation? Well, to be the firstborn is not necessarily to be born first. Uh, some, who here is born first in their family? Oh, yes. Who, who's, the, who's the youngest in their family? Yes, good to see. That's always a good thing to meet. The, but the firstborns are usually born first, but there's a few occasions in the Bible where the born, firstborn is not born first. Does anyone know where, um, whose occurrence that is, or who that is, at least one of them? That's right. I'm sure somebody out there said Ephraim. That's right. Yeah, Ephraim and Manasseh. They were twins and Manasseh was born first. But Ephraim was blessed as the firstborn, which means he inherited everything. He's the one who became the ruler of the family rather than Manasseh. That's to be the firstborn is the one who inherits everything. Jesus is the firstborn. Appointed by God the Father because he's the creator and owner. Now you might say, well, why didn't he just write he's the creator and the owner? Uh, That would have been simpler. Because his point is that the supreme rule of Jesus comes through being appointed by his Father to rule. Not independent of the Father or as a rival God to the Father or as a stand-in in place of but as father and son working together to rule the world. Also, verse 17, he's before all things, and in him all things hold together. Remember, this is who Jesus is. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. Things get their place, their purpose, and their meaning from who Christ is because he fits best for ruling the world. 
He's the one that fits best for it. Here's where you can get your, your piece of paper. If you haven't written anything on this outline, now's a good chance to write something. And here's a chance to get a pen and write something. And you, know, you can only do this exercise. Well, sorry, anyone can write their name. I want you to write your name. But first of all, if you're sitting next to somebody who you're in the same COVID bubble with, this is where you get to um, uh, work with the person next to you. One of you grab the pen, maybe the, if, if it's, if it's parent, kids' parents, I'm sure there's kids' parents out there, the kid could grab the pen. And then what I want the other person to do, I only do this if it's COVID safe, is to grab the person's hand and, who's got the pen and try and write their name while they're holding the pen. Okay, there you go. I'm only going to give you 30 seconds to do this. You there? So one of you grab the pen, only if it's COVID safe. If you don't, if it's just you, then you please write your name so that because I'm going to get you to hold them up in about 20 seconds now. Just write it anywhere on there. It won't. There's a few blank spaces there. There's, there's plenty of space to make a mess at this point. Alrighty, that'll do us. I'm sorry that those who are online can't see the results of this, but um, maybe if you just hold up what you've what you what you've done. I can see some of those. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> who reckons they've got a good replication of the, that's dreadful? I can barely read it. Yeah, I can read that it says Oscar. I think is that right? Okay, it took up the whole page and looks like scribble. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Why is it that so hard? Well, it's pretty obvious. Like, you are the one that knows how to make your hand work the best. Even if you're a little kid, your parent can't make your hand work as good as you can. And there's a little example, illustration of the universe is attuned to Jesus' rule. Not anyone can rule the universe. He is the one because he has made it and he is the firstborn of God to rule He's the only one fit to rule all things. Well, what does Jesus rule for? It's impressive that he is the ruler. Uh, Where do you go from that, that he rules over all things? Well, he rules especially over the church. Over the church, we're told. No. That one, that's right. Verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might, have, he might be preeminent. Where does Paul go? He's the head of the church. The church. The one from whom the galaxies are made the one who's made the universe in its complexity that we don't even see the one who's made the the microbes and the molecules and knows everything about us every hair on our head every atom in our body the one who knows everything rules over all power and all authority the pinnacle is that he is the head of the church sounds a bit lame doesn't it is that the the best is that the thing to end on? The best that Paul can end up ending on? What an anticlimax. You might think, 
why doesn't he point to something a bit more impressive than he's the head of the church? Well, if, you were, if it was offered to you to be head of the church, would you take that up? I don't think I would do that. The, um, the G20 is a summit for 20 nations, uh, which are the uh, 20 key nations for worldwide economic development. And they're going to be meeting in November in Saudi Arabia. And Scott Morrison will be there because Australia is part of the G20. Now, I don't know what they do exactly at the G20, and I don't know if they publicly announce all of the leaders as they come in and register and pick up their name badge and and sit down. But if they did, and how would they introduce Scott Morrison from Australia? This is the Prime Minister of Australia. What's first on the list? Uh, Australia is... Uh, number six in the world for the Human Development Index. Maybe that'll be in there. Uh, number two could be that Australia is number 10 with uh, GDP, uh, gross domestic product uh, in the world. Number 10, that's pretty good. And then maybe third on the list might be that Scott Morrison is number one ticket holder for the Cronulla Sharks. And everyone goes, Sharks? Who are they? Uh, It's a bit like this. Like, he's the head of the body of the church? Why the church? Because that's where God is working out his plan for the universe. In the church. That's where God's plan in Christ is seen. And so Paul goes on to explain. Verse 19, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. As massive as the universe is, whether things on earth or things in heaven, impressive things and powerful things, God is reconciling all things to himself by making peace through his blood, the blood of Jesus on the cross. Verse 21, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. The unrivaled power of Jesus is not ultimately seen in his unmatched rule over a vast universe. It's not even seen in ultimately in his power over all thrones and rules and authorities, though it is certainly seen there. His power is seen somewhere quite different, ultimately. Because rulers are considered powerful when they defeat an enemy, don't they? And force an enemy into submission and keep them there. But no amount of military power or political power can do what Jesus does. Jesus takes enemies and makes them his friends. Takes enemies not who want to be his friends, but those who are dead set against God. We who 
live to rule the world for ourselves and take the world for ourselves and choose to use our lives as we want to over and against God, those type of people, us type of people, Jesus turns from being enemies to make friends with God. Now that's power, isn't it? No military power, however mighty, no political power, however clever, is able to take a person and make them love the other. No amount of money will do that. The power of Jesus' death displays that he is able to take enemies in their rebellion and turn their hearts to God, which is what he has done for many of you. That is power. And the result is the church. A bunch of people who look like you and me. We would normally be sitting all together, I'm sure, uh, on a night, on a Saturday night. That's the power of Jesus, being able to bring people together. Because not everyone will be reconciled in friendship with God and in right relationship with God. Many refuse the friendship and do not welcome the rule of Christ. They are reconciled under Christ. That is, they're put in their right place in judgment. But for those who see him as God's appointed ruler, bringing friendship to enemies, he is the saviour, the Lord, who's given his life for them. For what purpose, though? For the purpose, verse 22, second part of 22, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, to be presented holy. The church is God's workshop where God is working on his people, established by Jesus in his death. The church is God's workshop. And the impressiveness of church is not in its bigness, whether it be big or small makes not much difference. It's not in his rate of growth. Is it a fast-growing church or not? It's not the political influence that the church has or or the community-mindedness that a church has that shows God's power. It's not the heritage that a church has. Its resilience to change doesn't show God's power. It's the changed and changing lives in holiness by those who live under the rule of Jesus. If you've been reconciled to God from being an enemy to be a, to be a friend through the death of Jesus, then God's word to us is, look like a friend. Live like a friend rather than an enemy. Don't live a life that looks like an enemy of God. Learn to know what pleases the Lord. You guys are probably learning in Ephesians at some point. Learn what it is to please the Lord, to live as a friend. That's our job here in church, is to encourage one another to live as those who look like, and as we are, friends of God, living for him and being made for him. Now, we don't think about that very often, perhaps when we're at home. But when we're at home, here, wherever we are, if we follow God, if we follow the Lord Jesus, we've been made for him. Our bodies have been made for him. 
our thoughts have been made for him. Our desires, the things that we put our energies to, the things that we long for, the things that we want to do in our life, the plans that we make, they're not ours. Well, they are in a sense. They're owned by him. And holiness is about having all of our life, visible and invisible, all centred around Jesus and living for him. It's hard work, isn't it? That's why we need to be here every Sunday. Hearing what? Well, how does it happen? How does this come about? It comes through the message made known, that is, the gospel message of Christ. God saves people into his church through Jesus. How does God work on people once they're saved and in church? Well, verse 23. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. That is, how does God bring about what he is doing in our lives? It is through the same gospel message that saves us, that teaches us. Do you trust the gospel message of Jesus as Lord? If you do, then keep growing with Jesus as Lord by listening to the gospel message that Jesus is Lord, which teaches us to live not for our own loves and desires and hopes and dreams, but for Jesus' loves and hopes and desires and dreams to see the world changed by his gospel message that Jesus is Lord. You never outgrow the gospel. We just ever grow in it. And so we submit to Jesus as our maker and our owner. Well, Jump down to verse 28, and we see how Paul sees this working throughout uh, all of his ministry. Verse 28, we proclaim him, Jesus, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor and struggle with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. The tool that God uses to grow his people is the gospel message. How do we become perfect in Christ? And that perfect idea is reaching a completion and end. It's by hearing the gospel message spoken to us that Jesus is Lord and Saviour. We keep speaking and hearing the gospel every day to grow each other. You know, there's things, it sounds like, well, I already know that Jesus is Lord. I don't need to hear that again. Yes, you do. Uh, I don't need to hear that Jesus rules the world. I know that's true. No, you do need to hear that. It's just like you need to hear all sorts of things each day, don't you? It's a bit strange when, when people wake up in the morning and they never say good morning, or maybe that's normal in your household. But it's just, you don't say, well, you said good morning yesterday. You don't need to say it again today. Uh, or I love you, in, if you do love the person, and it's appropriate to say that in that relationship. Um, you, that's a good thing to hear all the time. I said that 25 years ago to my wife. I still say it. Uh, that's an appropriate thing. It never gets tiresome and should never That Jesus is Lord is a message that we should never tire of. And as we build friendships together, as friends of the Lord Jesus, we build friendships, strong friendships, when we're encouraging one another to 
keep living with Jesus as Lord. Why don't you make all of the interactions that you have with one another and you know, being able to catch up with one another dotted with the reality that Jesus is Lord, the challenge that Jesus is Lord. How are you going with living with Jesus as Lord today, brother or sister? Well, how can I pray for you? and help you live with Jesus, Lord, as you catch up over coffee uh, following on from that conversation that you had, or whatever it might be. Friends, Jesus is building his church by his gospel message. Not just bringing people into relationship with God, but growing you in relationship with God, putting things in their right place. I'm going to pray that we might be able to do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have delivered us from the dominion of darkness and brought us under the rule of your Son, in whom is redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Keep us looking to him, to recognise him as Lord. Thank you that you have gathered us into your church through Jesus' death for us. Help us to live for him and his purposes. May we live lives of holiness born out of the gospel message. May we make that message known to each other and hear it resound throughout the world for your glory. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Jammer Anglican Church. For more information, head to jambrewanglican.com.